What is good, everybody? Welcome to episode 47 of Defenders of the Bank. Sitting across from me, of course, as always, is the Christian Philly Philemon. Yeah, that guy. Yeah. <laughs> Feeling a little bit better this morning than he did last night. Of course, I am J.R. Liebert, the scarf. And this is another tough one, of course. This episode entitled O2 and 2, The Loss in the first of two L.A. Derby matches, this one down in Carson, a 3-2 loss to the Galaxy, not easy to stomach. Philly, especially what we thought would happen coming into the game, you and I were talking about it before the game, Carson's last game against San Jose, they looked about as bad as you could. They looked bad at home for a number of games. They lost to the New England Revolution. They lose to the Colorado Rapids. I mean, this is a team that looked like they were on the brink. It's like self-destruction. Zlatan was interviewed, what, just a couple days prior to the match, saying that he's a Ferrari among Fiats. And quite honestly, that's not very nice to say, Zlatan. Fiats shouldn't be that disrespected. I would compare the rest of the galaxy maybe to a Dodge Pinto. But unfortunately, <laughs> for whatever reason, they raised their level to that of I'd say a Mini Cooper yesterday. Uh, it was I, I couldn't believe it. Yeah, you know, I was a little frustrated with that comment as well. But actually, for the other reasons, I look at the roster of Carson's squad. You got a guy in Giancarlo Gonzalez who's played, what, 70-plus games for the Costa Rican national team. You obviously have Jonathan Dos Santos, a ton of caps for Mexico. Uriel Antuna, who looks like he's going to be something fun to watch for the Mexican national team. He's got, what, four goals in six games for them. Julian Araujo, the 17-year-old kid back there, he's played for the U18, U19, U20, and U23 men's national teams. And, of course, Joe Corona, longtime Liga MX player and player who's played for the U.S. men's national team. I thought a comment like that would have been the last straw to divide this locker room. Look, last time when they played San Jose, they got outshot 30 Two to five. 16 Dave, shots on goal, Philly. Yeah, Dave Bingham was just everywhere. Guy gets man of the match on a losing effort. Wow, he was really peppered like crazy. Yeah, he almost broke your boy Tony Miola's MLS save record there. Of course, if you don't know who Tony <laughs> Miola is, the New York, New Jersey <laughs> Metro Stars and a former kicker for about six seconds for the New York Jetropolitans. That was... <laughs> <laughs> a very short-lived NFL career from the MLS. But we're talking about a team that gave up 16 shots on goal, 12 corners, 32 overall shots. We thought, Philly, coming into this game, that LAFC would absolutely pepper this team with shots. That was not to be. Look, it was through no fault of the 32-52. Yes, there was the whole debacle with some ticket cancellations and everything else. But I talked to a lot of people walking around that stadium before we kicked off who said, you know what, I got my tickets canceled, but magically there were some others that showed up online. I was able to purchase those. So it was a really smart way, I guess, for the Galaxy to make 100 bucks a ticket on a lot of people who had their tickets canceled. So good on you. All you did was sever a bunch of relationships with some youth clubs in the process. But I, our 32-52 looked absolutely fantastic. They were in their battle fatigues. Loved they it. were ready for the Civil War. They were ready for the Battle of Los Angeles. They were ready for the, what is it, the 110 Derby, whatever they're going to call it. ESPN, please stop calling it El Trafico. The only reason that this was El Trafico was for Philly's commute to try to get to this game. I left Burbank at 345 
I got to Carson at 5.30. I could have gone from Burbank, from Bob Hope, to Vegas a couple of times in the time it took me to get to Carson. I absolutely hate driving down there. It is, <laughs> it is abysmal. The scenery on the way past downtown LA is gross. The traffic was gross. I wanted to kill everything. Yeah, you don't like driving. You are from New York, and I believe, what, the first time you owned a car was just, what, three years ago or so? No, you're, you're right. I didn't get my driver's license until I was almost, what, about 20 years old. And the main reason is because I just grew tired of carrying my passport around as identification. Yeah, so ESPN, please stop calling it El Trafico. Nobody likes that name for the Derby. Not people in Carson, definitely not people at the bank. So Nobody enough. likes traffic, period. Right. So enough with El Trafico, but on with the episode today, on episode 47, we're going to hit you with a little bit of this day in LAFC history, and then it's off to the game recap for round four of the LAFC Carson Galaxy Civil War and what a game recap it is going to be. Ugh, another frustrating one. After that, we're going to talk a little bit about the schedule coming up for the rest of the month. Normally, we would give you the episode earlier. In fact, I'm sure a lot of you woke up this morning wondering what the heck happened to Defenders of the Bank. And <laughs> truthfully, we really tried to give you an episode. <laughs> I am going to apologize because I am the reason we didn't finish this episode. For whatever reason, I was enjoying myself. I, yeah, look, I was miserable. It hurt to do the recap, but I was motivated. I was ambitious. We're sitting in front of the mics. For whatever reason, I remember starting and stopping about six or seven times. And then I woke up and I realized what the heck happened. So we tried. I really wanted to. It was just one shot of tequila and it was lights out for me. So apologies for that scarf. Why don't you give him this day in LAFC history? Yeah, so this day in LAFC history, we are recording this, like Philly just mentioned, normally we would have recorded this on Friday, July 19th, the day of the match. But today is Saturday, July 20th. And it's a happy birthday, although he would have liked to have celebrated it with a win, for our goalkeeper's coach, Zach Abdel. Happy birthday to Zach Abdel today. Oh, so July that's 20th. what him and Zlatan were talking about towards the end of the game. Yeah, it looked I, like they were making some birthday plans. For, oh, yeah, uh, they were definitely jawing at each other. Now I realize why Zlatan was yelling at Zach Abdel. Thank you for that's that. That's right. Now, it might take you guys a couple of days to get to this episode. So this day in LAFC history on the 22nd, two days after today, the 20th, on the 22nd of last year, unfortunately, LAFC was pounded at Minnesota United 5-1 to oh. one behind two goals by... Christian Ramirez for the Minnesota United. We would trade for Christian just a couple of weeks later. I think we're still looking for an epic performance by Christian that will rival his two-goal performance against us last season on the 22nd. And on the 23rd, happy birthday to one of our owners, Mr. Noma Garcia Parra. That's right. Nah, Former nah. Red Sox great, L.A. Dodger, and of course, Mr. Mia Hamm. <laughs> Happy birthday to Nomar on the 23rd in 1972. And one last fun one. This is kind of one of those L.A. things that, you know, if you're, if you're into publicity and all that kind of stuff, I dug it. I loved it. I watched it happen live. On the 24th of last year, Lee Wynn kicked a soccer ball through the giant hole in Randy's Donuts down huh, in Inglewood. Huh, huh. If you didn't have a chance to see how Randy's Donuts, Donuts was painted for the Super Bowl, they were all rammed out. It was really cool to see what they did 
with the Randy's Donut and the entire building. But last year on the 24th of July, Lee Wynn kicking a soccer ball on his first try through the giant hole in Randy's Donuts in Inglewood. And that is this day in LAFC history, Philly. I got to tell you, coming into the match, we had a ton of optimism. The 3252 showed up and showed out. They were loud from you and I were talking about it. It was one full hour before kickoff that the three different sections of that stadium, despite the rubber mats that they put on the floor to keep them from stomping, despite the fact that they relocated and canceled, I don't know how many tickets in the end, over a thousand is what we heard, despite the fact that they had security guiding LAFC fans sometimes in the wrong direction. I don't think it was on purpose. I just think they had a ton of security that wasn't normally there. With all of those things happening, we had so much optimism coming into the game. Philly, it just was not meant to be. After waiting months and months for this matchup, LAFC and the Johnny Carsons finally clashed. Our two fan bases have absolutely no love or respect for one another. There is visceral hatred for each other. That is what the two clubs have. We hate them. They hate us. That much we can't agree on. We can't agree on who the real team in L.A. is. We know we are. They think they are. We can't agree on whether Zlatan or Vela is better. We can't agree on who has the biggest impact in the city and in the league. But what we can agree on is that when we see each other, we don't see black and gold or navy and yellow. We see red and in the worst way. I personally have never felt this extreme hatred at any rivalry in any sports before. I've been to Yankees versus Mets. I've been to Indiana versus Purdue. I've been to Yankees versus Red Sox. I've seen the Knicks, the Bulls, the Pacers, USC, UCLA, Duke, UNC, Auburn, Alabama. There's nothing that I've felt more hatred in than, than this rivalry right here. For us, beating the Galaxy was probably one of the most important milestones we needed to accomplish on our way up to the MLS Mountain, would you say? Yeah, it's something that obviously if this episode is entitled 0-2-2, here we are now four games in Philly and the frustration mounts, although I've got some words of optimism at the end of our podcast for why 0-2-2 could turn out to be one of the best things that has happened to this team. But it's got to be frustrating. And look, we've got very few players on our side that have even played in huge matches like this before. Obviously, Walker playing in some big games for the U.S. men's national team. Carlos Vela, he's played in some World Cups for Mexico and played very well against some of the best teams in the world. But on the other side, look, you can say what you want about Zlatan. But Zlatan is a singular force out there on the pitch. He is one of the very few freak athletes in all of soccer, not just in all of the MLS. Look, you can line up Landon Donovan, David Beckham, Carlos Vela, Lionel Messi, all of those guys, and you put them on a soccer pitch, everybody knows, oh my God, that's why these people are special. But you just pass somebody like Zlatan on the street, and you will immediately see, that's Ike trying to make his first appearance on the Defenders of the Bank podcast, you will immediately see that something about Zlatan is not like the other ones. His calves are like those Geico calves or that guy who said he got calf implants that he likes to customize everything. The guy is just a different human being. Even Ike knows it's one of those things that 
you just can't get away from. There aren't any other MLS teams that have a Zlatan <laughs> or an Ike. So coming to this match, look, I wasn't concerned about anything else on the Galaxy. I get they've got Antuna who's playing well. They have Araujo who's playing well. They have the good Dos Santos in Jonathan. They've got a solid goalkeeper who's coming off probably his best game of his career, even though he lost three to one. I wasn't worried about any of those things. I wasn't worried about being outcoached, although in the second half we'll talk about that in just a second. I was worried about one guy. One guy. Because on any given night, Allen Iverson could beat you even though he didn't have the best team. Ask the Lakers. In the finals, game one, Allen Iverson goes off, beats the Lakers, and all of a sudden the team with Shaq, with Kobe, with Ori, with Fox, with all these great players are down in the finals. What happened? The better team wound up winning the series, but on that given day, Allen Iverson was doing Allen Iverson things. Ask the Dodgers in the 1977 World Series. They didn't lose to the Yankees. They lost to Reggie Jackson in Game 6. The whole team had eight hits. Eight hits. Yet it was Reggie Jackson's three home runs that sunk the Dodgers in Game 6, and I think that's a pretty appropriate comparison. We had a guy... On the other side, we didn't lose to a bunch of bunt singles and errors and throwaway plays. We didn't lose because Christian Ramirez put a ball over the crossbar from a foot and a half outside the goal. We didn't lose because of a fluky first touch that led to an own goal. We lost because their home run hitter hit three out of the park, and we couldn't match him. And Philly, that's what I'm frustrated about more than anything else is we just got outplayed. Let's get into the game breakdown. Yeah, of course. And to do that, we should go into the lineups. So we started out with our 4-3-3 formation. Tyler Miller in net. Tyler Miller had some incredible saves, FYI. We started Tristan Blackman, which I thought was a really good idea. Walker Zimmerman, Eddie Segura, Jordan Harvey, Mark Anthony Kay, Edward Atuesta, Latif Blessing, Diego Rossi, Adama Diamande, Carlos Vela. Rounding out our bench, we had Djokovic, Beta, Wynn, Perez. Name that Perez scarf? Josh. Pablo Cisniega, Christian Ramirez, and Mohamed El Munir. The Johnny Carsons in their 4-2-3-1 started Bingham, Inet, Polenta, Gonzalez, Sterez, Felcher, Dos Santos, Corona, and Tuna, Alvarez, not the young one, Araujo, and Ibrahimovic. And that is going to be a name that you are going to hear quite a bit on this show. Yeah, you know, another thing that I thought was interesting, Tristan Blackman getting the start, I think what it shows us, even though he was not on the injury report, and by the way, the injury report only listing two players as questionable, the ghost of Alejandro Guido and and Danilo Silva, those are the only two players that were on the injury report. I really would have liked to have seen Silva out there to see what he could do to stop Zlatan, if anything. And, of course, our boy Javi Perez out with the ACL tear for the season. So the injury report, pretty good. But I think what that shows us is Beta is not 100% just yet. He didn't even come in despite us making a couple of other substitutions in this game, which we will talk about. So it was Blackman on one side along with Walker Zimmerman. But what we saw for the entire game, it was actually the opposite side with Eddie Segura, who I believe should be an all-star, except he didn't have a very good game this game. But Eddie Segura and Jordan Harvey on the opposite side, that was where the Galaxy chose to focus a lot of their offense. And look, 
Zlatan is used to games like this. He played in the Derby della Maronina. He played at Inter. He played at Milan. He played for both sides of one of the fiercest, most hated rivalries in all of soccer. So he's coming into this game going, 20,000 people? Ah. That's nothing. I'm used to playing 60, 70, 80, 90,000 people, whom which 45,000 rooting for one side, 45,000 rooting for the other, and they hate each other. So this, this could be considered just another regular season game for him. You know, he had a, a great quote at the end of this game. This is considered to be the biggest game in the league, so the biggest job is to show up in the biggest game, said Zlatan. Steven Betashore, he had a quote. We just need to play our brand of football, and we'll be okay. Well, there's a quote by Vince LaRosa that I'm going to say at the end of this podcast that really sums up everything about how I felt. The bottom line, though, <laughs> Philly, we started off, we woke up the crowd. Oh, absolutely, and we punched in our ticket right away. An interception by Mark Anthony Kay and a pass to Carlos Vela. Vela pushing downfield in the box, immediately fouled by Bingham on, on a takedown. And our captain, Captain Carlos Vela, off of a penalty kick, registers his 20th goal in 20 games, becoming the fastest player in MLS history to reach 20. And I really thought this was going to be business as usual. We were going to absolutely annihilate this team. But the Galaxy thought otherwise. Moments later, Tyler Miller was tested as he was tested all day. In fact, he was tested quite a bit. He had three amazing saves. Alvarez, deflection, Zlatan that was saved, and Tuna another one, finally cleared out by Eddie Segura. And he was making the case right then and there why he is the starter. At that point, I'm sure most of the LAFC faithful thought, Pablo who? He definitely had a nice run to it. But sadly, throughout the course of the game, as you'll hear and as you know, he let in more goals than we have let in all season as a team. We were running a sub-1 GAA, but that clearly changed. Moments after that, though, Scarf, Zlatan, Zlatan does. Yeah, Zlatan doing Zlatan things. I don't know that there are that many players in the MLS that could put forth the individual effort. Look, it seemed all game, and I would love to hear your guys' feedback on Instagram. After we post this episode, we always post a picture of the episode. I want to hear our fans' comments about what they thought the defensive strategy was against Zlatan. What I was looking at for the whole game was that it looked like they were shadowing him with one player in front, one player behind him. There wasn't an actual marking of Zlatan very often. He had a lot of space to move around. I wanted to see a player or two in his pocket the whole match. Put your shoulder on him. Put your arms on him. Put your body on him. Let him know that you are there. He can't just be able to get two, three, four, five, six steps inside the attacking third without anybody there. And look, the bottom line was he took a good pass, made a incredible move. Eduard Atuesta, yeesh. He hadn't oh. seen a move like that ever. And after eight minutes, we are tied one to one. And like you said, if not for Tyler, it could have been two to one with that goal. And if not for Tyler in the 30th oh, minute, yeah. an incredible fingertip save on an absolute rocket of a header by Felcher. Giggity. I could not believe that Tyler Miller got a finger on that ball. I don't care who's in goal. That's a fantastic save. 
We come into halftime, Philly. It's one-to-one. We've got our goal off of a PK. They've got their goal off of a spectacular play by Zlatan. But I'll say this. Why did it feel like from the minute we scored that PK, we started to play on our back heels a little bit? From the minute we scored that play, Philly, it looked like we were the ones losing. Like we said, Tyler Miller got tested quite a bit. That 30th minute save off the header by Alvarez was 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 fantastic. He had so many saves within that first half. Even though we dominated possession within that first half, and for the game for that matter, Galaxy were the better team. And blows my mind because I've been watching them all season. I've been watching them all season with you as well. And they... Yeah don't look like a good team. The fact that they were sitting in the position as high up the table as they were was beyond me. I don't know how that happened, especially with losses at home to New England and, and, and Colorado, but Derby days, none of that stuff matters. The Galaxy were the better team. Tyler Miller got worked more than Dave Bingham did, and we weren't even able to match the Galaxy in terms of quality shots on goal. But the interesting observation that was actually pointed out by Scarfett, the 45th minute when Carlos Vela got fouled and he had that penalty, he had that free kick from the, uh, the top right. The minute that ball went up into the air, the ref blew the whistle. Dio and a couple of the other players were in a position where they actually could have made the play, but the ball goes up in the air, the ref blows the whistle, which thwarts any kind of effort that we could have had, and that was kind of a questionable call, in my opinion. I don't see how that play was dead. It looked like an opportunity, yet he blows the whistle, which is another like complaint I have towards these MLS refs. We always complain about these MLS refs, and I say it, I learned this during my, my competitive MMA days. You can't leave the decisions up to the judges, but sometimes those judges make some really, really questionable calls. Yeah, at least we can say, though, that this game was not decided by the refs. I mean, it was a definite takedown on the PK, so we got a good call there from the refs. There wasn't a whole lot, in my opinion, that went uncalled that should have been called for both sides. This was a tough game, and I believe the referees allowed the players to decide this one. No, just a lot of time. (laughs) And let's get into the second half. Here we are. I'm trying to figure out what's going on with my boy. I'm trying not to crunch too oh. much ice on the mic. Reminds me of that scene in Family Guy where they fast forward to like the Diary of Anne Frank scene where the Nazis are raiding the home, everybody's in the corner, and all right. of a sudden they, they hear somebody like eating potato, eating potato chips, chips. And, it's, and it's Peter, and he's looking at everybody with his hand in the bag, and he's like, crunch, crunch. That's exactly how I felt. I'm sorry, it's just a little bit of fun. We're trying to have fun during a moment of true sadness, actually. <laughs> Yeah, so here we are coming in to the second half, 1-1, and Philly just three minutes in, Tyler Miller tested again. Zlatan, another shot. Miller was aware, and he made another save, putting in work. He put in work like Dave Bingham put in work last week. Yeah, he had to just to keep us close, unfortunately, in the 56th minute. This was my problem. If you watch the replay... On MLS.com or on LAFC.com, excuse me, MLSsoccer.com, because MLS.com will take you to some real estate website, I think. But Yay, California real estate. LAFC.com, if you check out the replay, Jordan Harvey was left in a little bit of no man's land there. He had a couple players both coming at him. He chose not to mark either, and when it was too late, he got into the body of Zlatan after Zlatan was already three or four feet in the air. 
a beautiful header. LAFC down 2-1. I can't for the life of me, if you go back and watch the replay, I can't for the life of me understand why Eddie Segura is not in the picture in this goal at all. He's supposed to be manning that side with Jordan Harvey. It looked like, I believe it was with Uriel Antuna, number 22. He was in the picture as well. But it was Zlatan being given all of this room inside the box. Why aren't people marking him the second he crosses midfield? So incredibly frustrating that here we are, 56 minutes in, down 2-1, and that seemed to give more life to what was a relatively quiet Carson crowd. Yeah, I mean, Zlatan punches in his 15th goal of the season. This guy comes up so big against us. It's, it's unbelievable, and that wasn't the last shot that he would fire. But you mentioned Jordan Harvey being the only one marking Zlatan. I mean, there was a, several times that we're going to even mention it again uh, throughout the course of this game that you know we had a lot of defenders that were really in interesting positions. Not so much where they needed to be. Zlatan, look, he couldn't be stopped by a Mack truck as far as this game was concerned. Nobody could have stopped this man. I mean, the fact that Harvey even pushed him out of the way. I mean, Zlatan's eight feet tall. He, he had to jump like two inches. 64th minute comes through. LAFC makes its first two subs of the game, replacing Kay and Harvey with Wynn and El Manier. And I'm going to say this. El Manier is definitely making a serious case to be a starter because he has had some outstanding plays and I love Jordan Harvey, but I'm starting to think that Mohamed El Manir might be the starter that I would like to see in that position. But these two subs definitely added some spice to LAFC's play. And you could argue that with their addition into the game, we started playing better. But the 70th minute rolls around. Dio feeds Rossi, who bullets a shot on goal. And you're thinking, man, if this actually beats Bingham, changes the trajectory of this game. But it wasn't Bingham that had the save on this one. It was the crossbar. That's the game changer we needed. But Zlatan decided that 2-1 to one wasn't enough. He decided that two goals wasn't enough. He takes an assist by Alvarez to punch in his 16th goal of the season and his second career MLS hat trick. Yeah, it turns out. Zlatan is pretty good, but this was a frustrating goal to me because this is something that I feel like LAFC should see in practice all the time. This was a Carlos Vela goal. This was absolutely a Carlos Vela goal because if you look at what happens, he dribbles to his left, makes one touch, and shoots a rocket with his left foot. This is something they see in practice all the time by Carlos Vela. One, why is he able to dribble with that much space? Two, is there anybody else back and trying to get directly in his way? We had Walker, who was a little out of position. Tristan, who was a little out of position. All three of these goals, completely frustrating because it's not like he's a guy that we're not expecting to score. This is their guy. 70 minutes in, Zone marking versus man, trying to bracket him, not putting a guy on him no matter where he goes. It was really frustrating to watch all three of these goals happen. Again, more miscommunication on the back line. Just so frustrating watching this game because the box score will say that we led in possession, but if you look through the numbers, and we'll talk about that in a little bit, it's very, very different, the tail of the tape at the end of the match, than what the actual tape 
showed. Really frustrating there. Not a lot happened for the entire rest of the game. From the 70th minute on until we got lucky in this game because if this were England's women's national team, when I believe it was a lock of her hair offside on that one play in the Women's World Uh Cup, this would not have stood. But this was not the women's national team of England. This was Carlos Vela, who looked like he might have been half a shoulder, maybe a half a step offside in the 90 plus seven when he scored to make it 21 goals in 20 MLS matches, the most goals through 20 MLS matches in history. But too little, too late. And we got a little scuffle right there at the end of the game too, Philly. We expected chaos today. We expected physical confrontation. Didn't think it would happen on the pitch, though. Alvarez takes down Atuesta, and then Felcher just sandwiches him, and you had Eddie Segura coming in. There was pushing and shoving and jawing. That was entertaining. I love seeing our boys sticking up for each other. It just makes me feel like this truly is a team that cares about each other. I mean, of course, the guy, he got a yellow card as a result of it. But you know what? You stand up for your teammate in that situation. I wanted him to rip the ponytail off of Felcher and feed it to him. Yeah, there's the MMA in me. But <laughs> it, it didn't happen. To me, honestly, that was the most entertaining part of the second half. You talked about Zlatan, us marking him and all that other stuff. This is a guy who's got 500-plus career goals. You should have kept... Four defenders on him because the rest of the galaxy, I, who cares? Yes, sure, Dos Santos is good. Sure, some of these young guys show potential. But history has a way of repeating itself. This guy is incredible. He really is. I, I was a fan prior to him even arriving in L.A. He shows up when it matters. The great players always do. Michael Jordan does. LeBron James, well, not does, did. LeBron James does. Kobe Bryant did. Derek Jeter. Peyton Manning. The list goes on and on. I mean, he showed up. All the other stats, everything that happened up to that point, us being the best in the West and the best in the MLS, none of that mattered because we got Zlatan. And the interesting thing about that is between Vela and between Zlatan, in all of our matchups, both of these guys have six goals apiece versus each other. Our stat line is 0-2-2 versus these guys, but Carlos Vela has six goals against the Galaxy. But unfortunately, Zlatan does too. Look, I said it earlier. We looked like we were playing on our back foot for the entire time after we scored that opening penalty kick goal by Carlos Vela. You're absolutely right, though, Philly. In the 65th minute, when Mohamed Omonir came in for Jordan Harvey and Lee Wynn came in for Mark Anthony Kett, at that time... We had about five, six minutes of play right up until that next Zlatan goal where it looked like we found ourselves just a little bit. But right after that, again, it seemed like we had another lack of aggressiveness for another 20 minutes in the game. I don't understand. The quality of chances, much better for Carson. If you look, they only had 12 shots on goal, but eight of them, 67% of their shots We're on target, as opposed to just 6 out of 16 for us. Look at the fouls. How much more aggressive was Carson than we were? 19 fouls to our 9. We had 9 fouls, single-digit fouls in a derby game? Are you kidding me? Look at the aggressiveness of Carson. You're talking about a team that was pushing forward unlike they had pushed 
forward before. They had no offsides called on them against San Jose when they played San Jose in their last game. They had nine to just R2, throwing guys forward, looking at the amount of tackles won. We lost the tackles won 21 to 11. Everything deeper in the stats tell you exactly what happened in that game. Diego Rossi, basically non-existent in, for invisible. the first half. Dio played well enough. He got the ball moving forward through the middle, and it looked like for about 75, 80 minutes, he was back to himself. But again, I still don't think he's ready to go a full 90. He came off the pitch. I love it. He goes over, gives props to 32-52, but then you watch him walk off, and it's like, man, he just doesn't look 100%. Yeah, we led possession, 58-42. But did any of that matter? Our passing accuracy, Philly, how many giveaways did we have throughout the entire game? I mean, it seemed like every time we had the ball, we were giving it up. We didn't pass the ball well. We didn't play well. Who ca- you said it. Who cares if you dominate possession? Germany dominated possession against Mexico in the yeah. first round of the World Cup, which yep. we talk about all the time because yeah. we're still obviously not upset about that. It doesn't matter. We didn't play our game. Beta said if we play our game, we will be good. We didn't play our game. We played very, very poorly. We weren't aggressive. We weren't in position a lot of the times. We stood more as fans of Zlatan rather than Zlatan's opposition because he hammered us in, any, in every single way that he possibly could. He hammered us. He called himself a Ferrari recently. I'm not upset about that. He really, really is. He proved right then and there that when he wants to play the game, he flips the switch and does his thing. Could you imagine what a killer this guy would be if he decided to play this way all the time? I see it in his body language. He doesn't. He's frustrated with his teammates, but he comes up when it matters. The Carson faithful is very critical of him, and you see it in Twitter with the way they say, oh, he's a cancer in the locker room, he's a this and he's a that. But you know what? They certainly cheer for him quite a bit when he scores. I want to say, and I'm going to create this for today, the shameful moment of the match, by the way, is when the riot squad started chanting an expletive, blah, blah, Chivas chant. Gross. I would say that made my blood boil more so than Zlatan scoring three goals. Yeah, you know, we were sitting there at the end of the game, and first of all, to watch our 32-52 still cheering 15, 20 minutes after the game, their quote-unquote walk of shame was all of them leaving the stadium en masse in unison, and one voice, one crowd. I mean, it was awesome. It was like a camouflage amoeba taking over <laughs> that entire stadium. I, God, I love our 32-52. Love our they team. bring it, and I got to say, it looked like, from our vantage point, yeah, of course, there are always going to be fights at any of these games. And I'm sure if you go back to any of the other games that we've played, there have been fights between the fan bases and everything else. But it seemed like security had a pretty good handle on things. It seemed like our fans were conducting themselves well. We only saw one or two fans being let out in handcuffs and, and some issues out in the parking lot. But for the most part, this could have been a very black eye on the LAFC fan base as well. It had to have been frustrating for our fans. Look, you and I were pulling our hair out watching this game, going down 3-1, knowing what was at stake in this game, knowing how they played against San Jose the last time Carson took the pitch. It was so frustrating watching this, but our fans kept their cool as well. And look, yes, our episode is called 0-2-2. and But I've got a silver lining for all of you LAFC fans out there. August 25th, Bank of California Stadium, 7.30 p.m. 
they get to come to the black hole. Yes, little props for all of you Raiders fans out there. Hmm. They get to come to the bank where we are going to make a deposit of our first win ever in the Derby. And then the best part about it is we're going to see this team again in the playoffs where it's single elimination. And we're going to beat them come playoff time because that game will also be at Bank of California Stadium. And all of a sudden, 0-2-2 is going to look a whole heck of a lot better as 2-2-2 when we are the team that not only levels the score in the Civil War, but also knocks them out of the playoffs. And now we've evened it up at 2-2-2. You like to call me Scarf Stradamus every now and then? I'm calling it right here. We beat them on the 25th of August. We beat them when we play them in the Western Conference playoffs on our way to the MLS Cup after already securing the Supporters' Shield. And just like that, two years of misery because this has been absolutely miserable. Two years of misery gone just like that. I'll see your silver lining with another silver lining. I like it. All right? I like it. Yeah, we lost. That's fine. You'll learn a lot from your losses. There is no such thing as a loss. If you are a glass half full kind of an individual, you will view this as a learning experience. Scarf Stradamus, yes, you're right. We're going to beat them at the bank because as my good friend Jason Martinez, who I met last night, said, you can't cash L's at the bank and the Galaxy aren't going to be cashing anything. But the real silver lining that I want to mention is despite the fact that we lost 3-2, to two, we're still the best in the West. And the best in the MLS. We still feast on the East and best the West. We're nine points ahead of these guys. That's fine. I'm glad Zlatan played. There was controversy about his yellow cards and his this and that. I don't want to beat a wounded team. I want to beat or play somebody at their full strength. And they're not going to come into the bank and repeat this. That's a silver lining. We are ahead of them by nine points. It hurts, but we still get another shot at redemption. But to me, personally, Scarf, yeah, I'm going to channel my inner Ric Flair here. Woo! To be the man, you got to beat the man. And what I mean by that is we are playing Atlanta United in our next matchup at the bank. Do I want to beat Carson? Yes, but I can't look in the rearview mirror anymore on this highway of MLS life. We see them in our windshield, but the team that we need to focus on now is Atlanta United and Joseph Martinez. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Philly. LAFC has a full week off to prepare for the defending MLS champions. Like you said, Friday the 26th at 7 p.m. That is their first trip into Bank of California Stadium. I can't wait to see what the 3252 has in store for the defending champs. And we said we would talk about their upcoming schedule. We've got a little bit of a time to rest right now. Here's how it works. We only play three games in the next 23 days. We've got a game, like we said, against Atlanta on the 26th. We've then got eight days until our next game at the New England Revolution. And then we have another eight days again until we host... The New Jersey Energy Drinks, the Red Bulls. I hate those guys, too. Well, you'll have time to hate them in 23 days because that's when we play them. So from today, Saturday, July 20th, through our next three games, we only play three times in 23 days. 
That is a silver lining for this team because, look, it'll allow Beta to get healthy. It'll allow Harvey to rest his legs. It'll allow guys like Tristan Blackman, Mohamed Elmunir, Danilo Silva, even Dayon Jakovic to become more acclimated with a defensive system where we had the four Beatles back there and things were looking fantastic with Beta, Harvey, Walker, and Segura. It's been a little roughshod the last couple of games. It'll allow a very overworked Eduardo Tuesta, Mark Anthony K, and Latif Blessing to find a little bit more of their legs and get healthy. It'll allow the offense to start planning a little bit better and maybe Dio getting a little bit healthier and being able to play a full 90 at the same aggressiveness that he plays the first 10 minutes of the game. And it'll allow Coach Bob Bradley to figure out what kind of adjustments need to be made. This was a big game. We couldn't find a way to win. Portland in the Open Cup was a big game. We couldn't find a way to win. Real Salt Lake last year, a big game. We couldn't find a way to win. We've got to make some adjustments. We've got the coach who can do it. We've got the best players in the MLS. And like you said, Philly, this was the first time we allowed three goals all season. We've got to go back and look at what we're doing. Yes, it was three goals to one guy. Three goals at a quality of which isn't normally found in the MLS. But look, we also have never lost when giving up more than one goal this season. We beat Portland 3-2 at their place. We beat Montreal 4-2 at our place. And we tied NYCFC on the baseball field 2-2. Two to two. Those are the only times we gave up two goals all season. We didn't lose by doing that. So we even had less incentive to go back to the drawing board and figure out what's going on. Well, we've got 23 days and three games to figure this out. And I think, Philly, this loss is going to be the turning point because with 13 games remaining in our season, now we're angry. Now we have a chip on our shoulder. We got denied our first piece of hardware by losing in the Open Cup. We got denied our first win in the Derby last night. We have 13 games to get our eyes on the prize and to realize what we need to do. Maybe it's a third DP we need to bring in. We've got the space. Rest in peace, Andre Horta. Guys like John Thorrington are scouring places like South America and Europe for the next young talent. Maybe it's a big name. Maybe it's someone who we're not thinking about. I don't know. But after 21 games, we've got 46 points, 14 wins. We are only, by the way, Philly, 11 points from our entire total last year. We have 13 games to go. We've still only lost three times. Our goal differential now sits at a paltry plus 35. (laughs) The rest of the league, they are looking up at us knowing how special we are. But both you and I know, nobody thinks we're unbeatable. Nobody. But what I gather from the homework you've done and the energy that you've conducted is the following. Yes. We're still the best in the West and... The best in the MLS. We still feast on the East and... Best the West. And to quote the best player in the MLS, our captain, Carlos Vela, we're still in first. We have to keep that and forget this game. Done. You're driving on a highway. You're focusing on what's in front of you. You pay attention to the rearview mirror, you crash. We're not going to crash because the focus is forward. We're going to take out Atlanta. We're going to take out the rest of the West. We're going to win this freaking league, and you're going to say it. We're going to come back to this moment and look at it and go, this was where our team really gelled. 
This is where our team decided that they're going to overcome adversity. This is where we're going to fix the things that we need to fix before we enter into the MLS playoffs. And it's going to be fantastic. And that's it. That's really all we have to say about that. One last thing before we start to wrap this up, though, Scarf. I want to give a shout out to our LAFC pod fam. Yeah. Heart of LAFC is about to hit their centennial episode. That's pretty awesome. We're about halfway there, by the way. (laughs) But mega congrats to Jerry and Joseph. And by the way, check out our other brothers, Shoulder to Shoulders podcast. They do the very first cross-pod pollination when they interview Joseph, George Washington Zacker. It was a (laughs) classic, definitely one of the best episodes on Shoulder to Shoulder. You're going to hear some amazing things from Joseph Shout out to everybody within the LAFC pod fam. Shout out to the 3252. You guys came through. You know what I love the most about the battle fatigues? It reminded me of when the U did it back during their days when they dressed in their fatigues. I love it. Anytime we play any team, in my opinion, we're going to war. And that just made me giddy and kind of upset that we didn't put in our order for those shirts. Those shirts were pretty dope. (laughs) That's really all the time that we're going to have on our show today. This is Philly and the scarf. And, you know, I said I would quote Vince and I don't want to. Oh, yeah. Sorry. sorry. Yeah. No, it's okay. I don't want him to feel like I left him out. Look, his quote was really simple. Derby losses are the worst. Derby losses are the worst. But he ended his article just like the way we ended our podcast today with optimism. Philly, you're absolutely right. We're going to look back on this game as the tipping point, the touchstone, the turning point, that pivotal moment in our team's history where we took a loss, a tough loss, a really, really hurtful loss, and turned it into the motivation we needed to call ourselves MLS champs at the end of the season. And that's all I've got to say about that. I still think we're the best in the West and the best in the MLS. We are. I still think we have the best fans. And I'll never, ever not think that. I don't like Carson. I really don't. But we're going to avenge our loss. Glass half full, ladies and gentlemen. You might pick it up. My voice is a little, you know, little tone right now. <laughs> He's using his sexy voice for all of you out there. Yes, this is the jazz station with your boy, Philly. Anyway, we're going to do good things together. LAFC family, our black and gold faithful, we love you. Take this as just a simple buzzing of a fly in terms of the loss. We're going to come back. You know, you mentioned we only have a couple of matches in the next, like, 24 days. Does that mean you and I aren't going to hang out as much? I mean, we'll definitely hang out, but we won't have to record nearly as much. By the way, Ooh, if break. you're listening to this episode on the day that we put it out today, go ahead and meet Christian Ramirez out in Silmar at 4.30 at Vallarta Markets. He'll be there from 4.30 to 5.30. Tomorrow at WSS Shoes, go ahead and meet Carlos Vela. The captain is actually doing a live in-store appearance. We don't want to forget about those things. Those are really cool. Go ahead and support the food bank. There's a, an event on, I believe it's the 23rd, coming up for part of our month of giving that LAFC did. Please, go ahead and support those events. We've got a lot of time to support a lot of great things here in the city of Los Angeles. That ends our episode, episode 47 of Defenders of the Bank. And you know how we like to end the episode. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.